Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of B2B Made Simple. Joining me here on the reunion tour, I have Jim Holbin. (laughs) He is the CMO at Applied Visions. Jim, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. What what did I do to earn a spot on the reunion tour? (laughs) Uh, You're a smart marketer. Did Did I tell you that this was a reunion tour? I don't remember if I told you that or not. I think I think you did. I think you did. I'm 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 impressed. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate so basically, it. we're having back some uh, some OGs that we had on the show originally, and we're just kind of seeing where they are today and hearing more yeah. about marketing. So I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, yeah. Lots of change. Went through an acquisition, started a new job. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff going on. So and, and you've been growing. So it's it's good. It's good to connect again. Yeah. So if you were, uh, if you haven't listened to it, Jim was on episode 121. Um, we're deep into the 200s now, so that's pretty far back. But if you want to go listen to that, it was a good episode. I think it was about planning, right? Uh, planning in pencil, I think was the biggest takeaway I had. Yeah. Not, not planning too far ahead. Right. Yeah. Cause I think we've, we've all done that once or twice and realized that we wasted a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Jim, my opening question for you is if you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi, what would you choose? Coke, Diet Coke or Coke Zero. <laughs> is that because you're a marketer or because you enjoy it? I actually enjoy it. I, I do taste the difference. You know, I, like if I'm at a restaurant, they're like, uh, is Pepsi okay? I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Inside, I'll be, be a little disappointed. No, it makes sense. You? Uh, I'm a Coke guy, but I, I'll go either way. I prefer Coke, I think. But uh, whatever, do- is Dr. Pepper a Coke product or a Pepsi product? That I don't know. Okay. That Whatever one that's under, that's what I ultimately want. So, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, well, cool. Let's actually talk about some real marketing here instead of Coke and Pepsi, but I always like to open with something fun. Um, yeah. You know, jumping into this, a wise move right now is moving away from long form blogs and SEO. And this isn't to slam people that are doing that. It's just times evolve. And instead of that, um, a very good move is shifting toward, you know, the video clips, organic LinkedIn, um, a podcast to open us up. Why is that so important? So I think, you know, a, a lot of the, the old school style is kind of out of the, the HubSpot handbook, right? And, and I'm, I'm a proud HubSpot user. We use it with our clients. We use it internally. I think it's great, but you know, it's, it's kind of that whole, you know, old style method of, of inbound, right? Where the more content you write and, you know, you got all these long tail keywords and you're, you're kind of writing for SEO, right? And so, um, you know, I think a lot of the, the value of the content goes down because you're, you're kind of writing for keywords as opposed to writing for the audience um, to a certain extent. And so, you know, I think that probably ran its course over what the last decade or so. And, um, you know, now I see people doing a lot better with, with shorter form content you know, getting it directly to their network, uh, not having it just kind of sitting behind the website. Um, and I think the quality is better because it's more, you know, talking to your audience as opposed to just, you know, talking to whatever SEO algorithm you're following at the time. So um, I think it's a good shift. You know, I, I think it's been going on for the past couple of years and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the early adopters, I think are really reaping the rewards of it. And, you know, you got the, 
the laggards coming in now that are, you know, they're still a big enough piece of the pie to grab it, but they're, they're a little behind. Right. Um, and then there are some who, who just still to this day don't get it in, and they can't let go of it. And um, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years, I think if they finally shift or if they're, they're still kind of staying, staying with the, uh, the old school tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for what we do, we have really put no, no effort into long form blogs and SEO when we've gone 100% into basically what you broke down video clips, organic LinkedIn. Uh, obviously we're on a podcast right now and it's interesting because many businesses are still doing, you know, the first scenario, many SaaS companies. Um, do you think that's wrong or do you think that it's like a slow move? Like, Hey, you should continue to do this because obviously a lot of people are having success. Like, where are your thoughts on that? Yes. I mean, I don't necessarily know if it's wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. I was actually just, uh, I was on LinkedIn this morning and one of the SVPs of marketing at HubSpot actually posted something about like the traffic they get to their site. And for them, it still works because, you know, they, I think even when it came to inbound, they were the early adopter. They kind of built up their profile at a certain point where they're still getting a lot of traffic because they're a trusted resource. Right. I think my point is for, you know, a smaller company kind of getting into the game or someone who um, is a little less established you got to be a little more proactive in terms of getting, getting content out at scale. And I just don't think that's the most effective way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for companies that if, if something's working for you, you know, I, I don't necessarily say get rid of it, you know, maybe you've become a trusted source and people know to come to your site to look for stuff. Right. Um, you can keep that as part of the mix and do more of a hybrid model, but I still wouldn't neglect kind of the, the new style of going directly to your audience, more short form content, more video content, uh, you know, taking longer form content and breaking it up into clips and getting it out. You just got to be out there a little bit more, I think, to stand out today because there's just there's just so much, you know, as you know, just so much competition everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, probably three to five, hopefully longer years in that uh, from now, I bet people are going to be saying the same thing about, oh, man, all you do is post on LinkedIn and run a podcast. And it's going to be, well, you know, it's been working for us all these years. I don't want to, you know, kill it cold turkey you can mm-hmm. stack the growth and work something in tandem and continually be reaching, not continually, but within reason, reaching for new channels to test and innovate all while everything in the background is still going strong. Yeah. But you know, you have the benefit now of being 200 something episodes into this podcast, right? You've probably built up a following. So, you know, I think once you have that following, it's easier than to change channels or to add a channel, right? Because you have an existing audience who will, at least partially come with you if they've adopted that channel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you think back about a HubSpot or company that's done really well with, you know, SEO and inbound over the past decade. Well, you know what, they're probably also doing really well on LinkedIn and other, other channels because they have that huge built-in audience that's kind of growing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the challenge is building an audience the way that we talked about is, is really not sustainable or, or even really, I don't think possible anymore if you're just kind of starting out. Yeah. So why is it important to move away from the quote, just because marketing that everyone says to do that maybe we haven't checked out to see if it's actually something that works. Why is that such a wasted resource or why are we wasting resources on that? I guess is a better way to frame it. Yeah, because I think as like any other industry, as things start to get watered down and more more people come into the market, you just have to find ways to stand out and be better, right? Ultimately, you know, early on, you could kind of get away with not doing the best content. You know, if you had a podcast five years ago, maybe even more like eight to 10 years ago, it probably didn't have to be really great to, 
to get a lot of traction, right? If you, if you had a specific niche and you were one of the few kind of serving that niche, you know, you had an audience there. Now everywhere, there's just so much competition. You have to constantly try and be one step ahead of everyone else. Right. Or, you know, kind of, if there's like a leading innovator that you like to follow, see what they're doing and kind of ride the coattails, right. You don't always have to be the trailblazer, but you got to be kind of one of the first to follow. Um, If you wait and wait, wait too long. Um, you know, the, the opportunities go down because, you know, the markets get saturated so quickly. What would you, I guess, let's take a step back. What would you consider just because marketing? And I have an answer for this too. I'm curious to hear your thoughts though. So I think it's, I think it's just running long form blogs just for SEO value. I think it's just running Google ads because I think it's running just simply bottom of the funnel LinkedIn ads, right? Even if you're a startup, just because you think you're just going to get quick conversions and leads and things like that. So I think, I think more what you think traditional lead gen tactics um, are just because a big one, um, and I hate to say this, but the the biggest violator of this is actually marketing services companies, which is, I think is really funny, yeah. is list buying and cold emails, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I get eight to 10 of those probably a day still. And, you know, sometimes you, you want to respond and be like, you're a marketing company, man, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? If you just mark them as junk or whatever. And I think that's kind of, you know, that's, that's another just because piece, but that's kind of like the, the desperation just because piece when the other stuff you've tried hasn't really worked out. It's, oh, let's buy a list, you know, or let's send out 10,000 emails. Cause you know, we have a SDR team that makes calls all day and they'll get us a meeting or two. So why, why wouldn't this work if we do it at scale? Mm-hmm. So I think there's like a series of tactics that you see kind of across the board that are just because, um, you know, sometimes they're a little bit less resource intensive you know, you can get away with writing one long form blog every two or three weeks, right? And, you know, kind of call it a day at the end of that and then rinse and repeat. Um, I think the newer way of doing things is, is more time intensive. Um, it requires buy-in from a variety of stakeholders. You can't just have one content writer doing like, you know, with blogs, you can just have one writer doing all this long form stuff. Now you kind of need a mix, right? You need SMEs internally. You need maybe the CEO or you know, other stakeholders aren't really familiar with doing this sort of stuff to buy in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's not easy. So I think just because it's the stuff, if you looked at back five, seven years ago that everyone was doing people that are still just doing those things today, a lot of those tactics are just because marketing. So here's the example I have. Um, when I was first getting into marketing, I had like a family friend reach out and say, Hey, uh, they own a construction business. <laughs> and she said, we need to be on Facebook. We need to be on Instagram. We need to be on Twitter right now. I don't know what I'm doing, but can I hire you to create those pages? Mind you, we're in upstate New York. There's like 40,000 people in my town and no one uses Twitter in upstate New York. Like it's not a thing. So I'm like, yeah. well, whatever. Sure. Pay me 150 bucks. Again, I was just starting out. I'll build you a couple pages. And uh, that is my example of just because marketing. They had no idea. They have no idea. And I know it's a small business, but this can relate also to like the SaaS world as well. She heard from uncle Tom that everyone was on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you're not legit unless you have a page there. They have never posted to these pages, by the way, it's been three years, um, completely dead, but at least they have the page. Right. And that is an example of just because marketing, they heard it and they did it and they checked the box, even though it literally did nothing for them. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. And I think, you know, we've been kind of, or I've been kind of dumping on SEO for like a little bit here, but it's not, you know, it, it really depends. Like the business you talked about a local construction business. Well, if they spent the time to, you know, 
really compete for SEO keywords, you know, construction businesses in whatever town they're in, right. And stuff like that localized, you know, I think that, I think that still works, you know, that probably mm -hmm. works better than having a Twitter and Facebook page, yeah. right? because people are actually showing a level of intent. So I think as long as you're able to generate intent from these tactics, um, you know, there's value there, but you know, to your point, it's like, you know, just, be, you know, create a Facebook page just because everyone has one or yeah. whatever. Right? And they yeah, heard it and they have no example. idea why. And yeah. it's, it's, Honestly, it can relate so much to the B2B marketing world. It's, yeah, we have to be on LinkedIn. We should be posting every day. And then they go mm -hmm. post this selfish PR noise that absolutely does nothing. And they, they get no followers for a company page. They, they think that they should be growing personal profiles and add no value. And they just mm -hmm. add to the sea of noise. And now it's just a mess. And they give up after three weeks. Yeah. Yep. And that looks way worse when you haven't posted in four years, but you still have an active business, right? Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's a good one. Yep. The just because marketing. So let's say that we have a company that has really focused on SEO and long form blogs and they know they need to make a shift, right? Whether that is continuing with that or maybe doing a hybrid of the two, there's obviously risk behind that. What are some ways that we can de-risk that and kind of test the waters? Yeah, so I think it, I'll expand it kind of beyond just the the SEO and long form blog thing. Like you know, it's it's kind of the the traditional lead gen mentality in general. Like imagine yeah. you know, I have clients who you know they have um, you know a team of like let's say five SDRs, right? And these SDRs make calls all month, right? They get they set up you know, they're, they're usually bonused on meeting set, right? Which is mm -hmm. a bad metric because, you know, a lot of times they're, they're just crappy meetings, you know, and, but they're setting meetings, right. And they're feeding meetings to the sales reps and they don't close, but the sales reps, they need those meetings. Right. And so you're kind of doing these tactics that, you know, quote unquote, bring in leads, like they're, they're adding value, they're creating activity, but like, what are you getting at the end of it? Right. No, probably not a lot. <clears throat> I see this often where, you know, you have sales reps in and out the door, you have SDRs in and out the door because they're bringing stuff in, but it's not closing. And it's kind of the same concept with the, with the SEO and long form blogs, right? You're doing it to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be generating page views. You might be, you know, running Google ads that are bringing really crummy leads for your white papers or whatever. Um, it's activity, but at the end of the day, what do you have to show for it? Not a lot. So I think, but it's, it's hard to turn that water hose off, right? Because mm -hmm. you have a team and you have people that are expecting these metrics, right? You might have a board who's expecting these metrics. So that's where you kind of employ a hybrid approach, right? You start to do some of the other tactics like a podcast or, you know, more organic social through your founder's brand, right? And, and things like that. You, you start to run different sets of paid LinkedIn ads that are kind of geared more towards awareness and education and indoctrination, right? As opposed to just bottom of the funnel, and you can kind of split it down the middle and you can kind of see, okay, well, bucket A is the, is the old bucket, right? You can see we're generating like quote unquote more activity, but at the end of the month, what do we have in terms of actually qualified um, sales opportunities, right? And, and new, new pipeline generated versus on the other side, which, you know, we're running more new age tactics. We might have actually less volume coming in, but the quality is much better. Right. And then over time, you, the efforts on the new stuff starts to compound, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've been, you've been getting your content out there longer. You're starting to build a network, more stuff starting to come in. I think slowly they'll start to see the results in the spend that you're spending on each of those. And they'll start to say, these are not adding up. Right. And you can start to slow down the other channels and, and add on more to these. I think it's hard to go cold Turkey. 
And in some ways you might lose a little bit of credibility with your, with your team, because, you know, it could kind of be, it could kind of be a crap show, right? If like, you know, you turn off that faucet, you have a team of SDRs and salespeople, you have an internal marketing team, like a marketing office team that's expecting a certain amount of leads and volume and things like that. The CEO and board are expecting certain, uh, certain metrics to come through. If they're not, they might not give you enough ramp time. So to actually make the other stuff work. And after three months, if you don't have a lot of activity generated from, from your new, uh, your new tactics, you might be out of a job, right? They might not even have I, a chance I to I personally work. would be scared to death to, to stop cold turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's risky, right? And so I think a hybrid model is, you're, you know, it's kind of CYA, right? Like you're still bringing in those metrics, you're starting some new stuff. You're almost buying yourself the ramp time you need to get those things working um, and kind of change, I guess, change the mechanics of your marketing engine. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best way to de-risk it is just to kind of run a hybrid model and not just go balls to the walls all in on, on mm-hmm. that one, because yeah. you may not get enough ramp time to make it work. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is a pretty common topic right now in the market, B2B marketing world, especially moving away from the lead gen model more into creating demand, a brand, et cetera. Do you think that that model still works in some cases? Like for example, I've talked to some people where they're like, look, it actually works. It works great for us. And we're going to stick with this for now. Um, maybe reach for some new uh, avenues and new channels here soon. But for our company, it, it still works. Um, yeah, have I you think, seen that? Yeah, I think it can, right? I think a lot of what this conversation is geared towards right now would kind of be more, you know, B2B enterprise level, right? Where mm-hmm. long sales cycles, multiple multiple um, decision makers, like, you know, a wider, wider swath of people you got to get buy-in from, right? Um, you know, I think when, you know, typical lead gen stuff can still work on a, on a high volume basis, right? If you have a high volume, pretty uh, mainstream wide audience business, you know, I think, I think that can work. And I think you need to do some of those things. Right. And so it, all this stuff is really case by case. Right. Um, I, but I would say on the, on the B2B enterprise side, what we're talking about, you know, kind of applies mostly across the board. There's always exceptions. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, for, for local businesses, you know, that need SEO value to, you know, when people are searching for plumbers in Washington, DC, right. You want, you want to show up for that. Right. Because why are people doing that? Right. They are probably having a pain point. They probably have a leak or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And they need to solve it immediately. So it really just depends on how like high intent buyers are, are coming to you. Yeah. Right. You know, if you're, if you're like, um, an emergency medical physician, right? You have an office or something like that. If someone types in emergency medical physicians in, you know, in New York City, and you're in New York City, your emergency medical physician, you wanna, you probably wanna compete for that keyword in addition yeah. to buying Google ads for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, someone's probably having, you know, having a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that, you know, in B2B enterprise, a lot of times, especially because we work with a lot of startups, right? Like, you know, they don't necessarily have product market fit yet right they they usually don't i think it's kind of an arbitrary number but the number in my head is like around three million arr you start to really find your product market fit for Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons um but early on you got to kind of poke at the problem and create the problem to a certain extent and let people know they have it right and so they're not searching to find you necessarily and even if you're competing for keywords like they may not even be looking you know they might not even know what keywords to search to find you and you're just (laughs) you're you know, you're coming up for stuff that doesn't even apply to you. Right. And so I think that's kind of where, where my head is, but you know, there's always different cases for why something might work for a particular business. Mm -hmm. So as we're making this shift, what are some things that we should watch out for, whether good or bad 
whether that's positive signals that things are working, um, because obviously it's not going to work overnight, right? Building yeah. a brand, creating this demand. Um, what are some things that we should watch out for? I think just maintaining quality, you know, like I've like, for instance, on LinkedIn, I'm noticing just a ton of saturation of people <clears throat> wanting to post every day and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily adding value. Right. It might just be a super like me too comment that like you've heard 50 times that week. Right. And someone else is just kind of regurgitating it and changing a word or two around. I've been seeing a lot of that. Um, and I think the, the key is to, to look at it like a, a key part of your business, right? Like if you're, if you're working with a founder or CEO who wants to promote themselves on LinkedIn, you know, just make sure they're not like picking up a link from an article they liked or <laughs> and they're like posting and say, Hey, great article by so-and-so. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, cause I've, I've, I work with founders who do that. And then we come and we're like, no, 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 you got to create your organic content. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll have weekly meetings with them and, you know, they'll go through their metrics and like, wow, this performed like hundreds of percents better, you know, not having a link in there and just having an original thought. Mm-hmm. Right. The challenge is maintaining that quality and making sure that you have enough good stuff. And there's, there's systems and methods that you can, you can do to do that. Right. But I think that's the biggest thing is just, it's just maintaining quality. Mm-hmm. But that's everywhere. Right. I mean, you see what happened to Netflix this week, like, you know, the, with the stock plummeting, right. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But one thing is the quality is, has gone down, right. It's watered yeah. down. Well, they and, took the office off of it. So why would I watch that? Well, yeah, that's, they replaced the office with Seinfeld. And so for me, that's like kind of a wash, but yeah, then I had to buy Peacock so I could still get the yeah, office, literally. you know? Um, but, it, you know, just I think just looking out for watered down bad content is is probably the, the biggest thing right now. Mm-hmm. So you have obviously a lot of experience working with different boards, uh, different leadership, et cetera. What happens if we can't get by it? And let me preface this. Um, I saw a post on LinkedIn. I don't remember who it was and I'll probably butcher exactly what they said, but they said something along the lines of um, if your CEO doesn't get marketing, that's not on them. That's on you as a marketer, not explaining it well. And I thought that was really interesting. I saw the same thing. (laughs) Was it Dave Gearhart? Maybe I thought it was kind of brutal, but it was the truth. It was someone I didn't recognize. I don't know. Maybe Dave posted something like that, but I saw something very similar from someone I didn't know. Okay. Um, And at first I was kind of like, I was, it was one of those things where at first, like it took, it took a while to grow on me, the comment. Yeah. Right. And because, you know, like a core part of our business, right. Is working with startup founders and working with, you know, established founders who are going through digital transformation. Right. And, and that requires a whole paradigm shift in, and how they think. Right. And a lot of times you have the startup founders who've never done this before. And they just kind of heard how it's done. Like maybe they were a cog in the wheel at a big enterprise and they kind of saw from outside how marketing mm-hmm. worked and, yeah, they were kind of doing that traditional method and they said, we should do that too. Um, and then of course, you know, boards kind of run the gamut. Some of them get it, some of them don't. And so I, I the, the more I kind of thought about that comment, the more it kind of grew on me mm-hmm. because there, there's always going to be people who are, who are not going to buy in. Right. And ultimately like between you and me and your listeners, like, I don't necessarily want to work with those people. Right. Like I'll give them a shot to kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of on us to, to educate, right. And to, and to put the, the tools in front of them to understand what it's like, you can bring the horse to water, right. You can't make them drink, but I want to make sure we're leading them to the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, the hardest time to do it is your first time before you've actually had any proven success doing that method. Right. And because you can't go back and say, Hey, I worked with this company and this is what happened. Right. Um, you know, after the acquisition of our last company, it got a lot easier for me to go in and say, 
this is what we need to do because we we applied a lot of those tactics to the last startup and then it you know was acquired right and you kind of give that case study to new founders and they they buy in a little bit easier um so i, I think to a certain extent it is on us to to give them a, a valid explanation and to to teach right um it doesn't mean they're going to get it so i think it's i think you know just like anything else it's kind of one of those things where it makes sense but in practicality like it probably it's probably like a half truth, right? Yeah, there's so many nuances to it. And with that being said, um, what, ha- what, how would you approach the situation? Let's say that it is a, a company that's been really going for the lead gen model. Mm-hmm. And you know that it is going to be an uphill battle, but you love the company, you want to stay there, or maybe you're working with a company and you want to help them. Um, how would you frame it to them? Because I bet there's a lot of people in that situation right now being like, dang, like, how do I bring this up to them and actually explain it in such a way that they get it? The best way I found is just to ask a ton of questions and let them kind of figure it out, right? Like, you know, one of the biggest ones that we deal with is, well, you know, we have a, we have a big team of SDRs. I couldn't, couldn't imagine not like, you know, having these guys making calls, you know, they're, they're getting us appointments. They're getting us in front of lots of companies, you know, like this is a team that like, you know, it is, it is, generating a lot of uh i guess a lot of leads for us right mm-hmm. um you know same thing with like the seo well i don't want to give you know we're on page one for this keyword i, I don't want to give that up right and you start kind of peeling peeling back the layers of the onion by asking questions right like okay so <clears throat> you have five SDRs. how many meetings are they bringing in how much are you paying this firm or if they're internal how much how much are their salaries so you have x cause versus x number of leads how many of those how many of those meetings actually lead to a qualified opportunity Oh, you know, like maybe th- this percentage, right? Okay. And of those, how many actually cl- end up in closed one? They give you a number and then you say, okay, so you're paying them X and in return, you're getting X. Okay. Um, is that a good number? Right. And if it, it's usually not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh no, it's, it's, it's really not a good percentage. Okay. Um, how are those guys metric? Like what's like, like, what are they, what are they judged on? Like, are, do they hold a revenue number? No, no. They hold a, a meetings book number. Okay, so it doesn't really matter if it's like a really qualified meeting or not, right? Well, no, but you know, we give them a we give them a list, and they kind of start with that. Yeah, but it, ultimately, like, it, people could just be taking a meeting, take a meeting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't mean that they're qualified. No, you know, they're they're metric on on meetings, right? Or why do you have this keyword? Why are you searching? Oh, well, you know, we've been on page one for this keyword for five years. Like, you know, it's good that when people search, they find us. Okay, but is that actually what you guys do? Like, and what does that take them to? Like an ebook download? Okay, how many of those ebook downloads are qualified? You know, and you just kind of ask these questions in a non-confrontational way, right? You're just you're you're being interrogated, right? You're asking you're asking good questions, mm-hmm. and then they start to slowly see, and they say, okay, well, so what, what we've seen work best is this, right? And here are some past metrics that show you that you know running things, you know, you know this particular way you know, ends up having a better return than doing this, but, you know, let's try it. Let's try, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's kind of split the funnel into two, right. Mm-hmm. Let's run a hybrid model for six months. Right. And just kind of track the results month over month, see what happens. And that's kind of, I think the best way to do it. If you go in and you just tell them, Hey, this way sucks. It doesn't work. Right. They're going to be like, they're, they're on the defensive, right. All these yeah. thoughts are going through their head. They're like, well, you know, we're getting this, we're getting X number of leads in every month. Like can't imagine living without these leads. You know, you, you just got to kind of, uh, you got to kind of make them see the light to a certain extent, right? No one likes to be told what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a genius breakdown. I love how you, you just ask the question and let them discover it on their own. And they're not dumb. If you really break down in a gentle way, 
they probably will start to be like, oh, okay, I, I, can, I can see why this isn't really doing much. That I like that a lot. And some don't. Some some just don't get it, right? Or yeah. the biggest thing is, I don't I don't have time, right? Like I don't have time. Like if you're if you're a startup founder, right? Um, the biggest thing we deal with is I don't have time to to commit to um, organic social. And then I go into the whole thing of, all right, well, you have a, you have a new company. You might have like 146 followers on LinkedIn, 145 of which are family and friends. Right. And someone just have, you have like one, one net new follower, someone who's like showing interest, but like you have a network of, you know, 8,000 connections or 15,000 followers or whatever that's, you know, and you're the, right now you're the face of this brand, right? Cause you typically like, we like to work with companies that, have like a real good story, right? Where the founder created this company for a particular reason. Usually they had a pain point they experienced, they couldn't solve it, you know? And then, so they create this company and that's, that's a really powerful story because they're, they're like patient zero, right? They're like the first, the first case study. And so I always tell them like, well, if you don't have time to build the business, why are you in business? Cause this is a real business building activity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you kind of position it that way, a lot of times they get it. Sometimes they still don't. And those are ones that we, you know, typically don't engage with for all that long. Right. Cause it just yeah. doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So let's shift gears here. Um, one of the things I, I, we started asking like these questions on every episode, just to like get different, uh, you know, feedback. And I love hearing the answers. So in regards right. to your website strategy, one thing that we're passionate about is taking websites to the next level. Um, what's something that you've recently tried and did it work or did it not work? Yeah. So recently, meaning that like, I probably, when we do reunion tour 2.0, I can probably give you like a legitimate, did it work or not? You know, I always want to be transparent, (laughs) but it's kind of more focusing the website on, especially the homepage on, um, really addressing the problem we solve up front. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of, you know, we have our header and then right below that, it's kind of, kind of just calling out the elephant in the room. Right. And almost, almost using our website as a disqualification tool. Mm-hmm. Right. And saying, it's okay that if, if we're not a match for you, but like, this is who we work with. These are the problems we solve. Right. And instead of being vague and untransparent and just wanting to, again, wanting to collect leads and set meetings, you know, I think it's okay to, to use the website as a, dis, as a disqualification tool to a certain extent, because mm-hmm. it only further qualifies people when they actually do want to set up a meeting. Yeah. That's actually so genius. I'll, I'll report back on that. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> a, I'm a, a huge fan of using a website as a disqualification tool. It sounds so counterintuitive, but my belief is that you should have, for example, a calendar link directly on your website that goes to your sales team, leads to a discovery call books, a demo, whatever it may be. And in order for that not to be filled with a bunch of unqualified, maybe even spam leads, the buyer needs to know that this is the solution for them. And therefore they need to pre-qualify themselves. So for example, yeah. if they go to their, your website and don't know who you work with, uh, why you are a good fit for them, if you even solve their problem. And even if, you know, if you have some sort of pricing to fit in their budget, you're going to get people that are looking for the cheapest option. You're going to get people looking for something that you totally don't do. And then you're going to have a mess of this form that has all these unqualified leads. So dequalifying is that, I think that's the word you used or making sure that people yeah. uh, unqualify, whatever. That yeah. 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 <laughs> is disqualify, a, a, disqualify, disqualify, something like that. Dequalify, disqualified. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's a genius way to do it. It sounds like you guys are going to be moving in the right direction. Yeah. And so we're doing that for um, the product companies we work with. And we're also doing it, you know, we're a services company, right? We're also doing that. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to even do that for services because a product, like it's kind of black and white, what it does to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? When you're a services company, it's people, people can do a lot of different things. So you got to really be disciplined to niche in a little bit and, mm-hmm. and not overextend yourself. Yeah. It, it was a struggle for us for a while. Cause you know, we're in the services business as well. And even unintentionally, we would have, so for example, we don't do copywriting, but I'll talk about it a little bit on LinkedIn and you think website, oh, they're going to do messaging. And we got a lot of leads for people asking, Hey, can you help with the messaging and positioning? I'm like, look, this is not something we do. And we intentionally in our, in our new website redesign made sure that people knew the things that we did and the things that we do not do. And we Mm -hmm. haven't had people reach out and it was an intentional move on our part uh, to do that because Again, we want to be clear to the market. And it sounds like, uh, like you mentioned, you guys are moving in that direction as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, next question is, what is a question as a CMO? So for example, before you came on this podcast, what was a question that you were thinking to yourself? Man, I, I just wish someone would ask me this on a podcast. I would love to answer this question. Hmm. So... We might have covered, I think we covered this earlier on. It's kind of more built around like why people do the things they do, right? Like why are people still doing certain tactics? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one thing that I could go on a diatribe for hours about is like, is list, bu- is list buying and cold emails and mm-hmm. that whole thing, right? But we covered that. So I think, yeah. I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. We're good. Um, last fun thing, you know, you being on episode 121, I don't remember if we were doing this early on. So if you remember, that's cool. If not, that's fine. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to be the podcast host here and you get to shoot some questions my way. If you have any questions you want to riff on for a little bit. Sure. Um, all right. So this is my, this is my first go around at a services business trying to grow one, right? I've done a lot of product stuff, wanted to do something different in services now. I got to ask a services expert some questions, right? So, you know, first of all, how, how long have you guys been doing this for? Uh, since 2016. Okay. Uh, is when were I joined. You, yeah. <clears throat> were you always doing the the same type of tactics or did you start off a little bit more traditional before you got into the podcasting and kind of thought leadership game? Uh, very traditional starting out. Yeah. This is funny. We, uh, the, f- <laughs> I knew nothing about marketing when I started and my dad and I co-founded a, a little agency, one click, and we were serving the small business space, doing anything and everything. And I, they, I, specifically remember the very first thing that we did was we posted on Craigslist that we were building free websites as long as they paid for management and hosting. And that's how we got like some of our first clients that uh, had been with us for a long time. Now that we're not even doing small business work anymore, but it's funny that we posted like a direct response. Hey, this is what we do on Craigslist. And that's like our first ever marketing tactic that I remember. Yeah. So you did that stuff. Right. And then did you ever, did you ever get into the the cold outreach game to try and stir, stir up some leads early on? Uh, yeah, for maybe three days. And I decided this is absolute crap. I don't know why people do this and I'll never sell anything. (laughs) So let's talk about 20, well, let's say like, like 2017, 2018, because you started in 2016, you got to take time to find the pump and get the business rolling. Right. So Take that verse 2022, mm-hmm. you're 200 episodes into the podcast, right? You're doing a lot of thought leadership on LinkedIn. Tell me how that's changed, changed your business and 
just kind of the different the different results you've seen since you've changed you've changed gears yeah so the first thing to keep in mind is that it takes a really long time for this to kick into action and really see the payoff from it um but now that we have a podcast that is 200 plus episodes in now that i've been posting consistently on linkedin not just fluff but helpful content for since mid 2020 what's that almost two years now we're seeing the results of people reaching out coming inbound that are highly qualified that know exactly what we do and that are excited to work with us because they have an affinity to our brand and to the image that I've you know portrayed on LinkedIn. Not that I'm fake by any means, but like people know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And that has paid off huge because I don't want to sit on a phone to do cold calls. I hate getting spam emails. I don't want to send that. And I, kind of challenged the status quo and thought, you know what, there has to be a different way to do this through relationship and relationship at scale, I guess is the best way to put it. That's great. And so, I mean, is most of your business now referral word of mouth? Oh, is that mostly inbound that way? Uh, I wouldn't say referral is the top. I think it would be, uh, Hey, I saw your, your stuff on LinkedIn. Um, Hey, I was listening to your podcast. And now that I actually think about it, referral actually is creeping up there. The more I think about it, just from some Facebook groups and some communities that we're in, I can see in the comment section, for example, the other day, someone, I think like three or four people recommended me in a thread. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know it was there. And it was all within like an hour, um, which I think is super cool. And that's all from the credibility that we've been able to build in the market, which I don't think that this is the route that many service businesses, web development firms go. Quite honestly, I, I can think of a handful, maybe one hand that uh, are doing things very similar to us. And otherwise it's the long form blogs, SEO, uh, cold outbound. And I think that's going to to really hurt and cripple a lot of these uh, agencies and firms. I can attest to that. I get probably 15 or so a week uh, from, from website agencies saying, hey, you know, we build websites. Yeah. Well, we have a website, you know, great. But, you know, again, we're, it's, it's all about, you, you gotta be feeling some sort of pain or discomfort to really do that outreach. Right. And when you're just, mm-hmm. when you're just sending, you know, you're just kind of, when you're, when you're relying on outbound like that, you're just hoping and praying that you're catching someone that has a problem that needs a new website. Right. Or as opposed to you guys are building up, building up that engine, right. Where you're, you're getting out in front of people like myself, Right. Or other, you know, other marketing people that that have budget authority and, mm-hmm. you know, when the time comes for them to get a new site or do some website work, you know, you're, you're top of mind. Right. And they come to you. You know, what's um, interesting is we're so let's say that to close a deal, you have to get to 100. Right. And let's say they're comparing three different web dev firms. The first one was a cold outbound. They shot him an email. The second one. Um, they don't really know. Maybe they heard a little bit about them. And the third one or the second one is that the third one is us. They've been seeing us on LinkedIn. They've been listening to our podcast. Three people referred us in a Facebook group, even though we're not one to the 100 mark of closing the deal yet, we're starting at like 80 out of a hundred and all the other firms are now at 10, 30. So we're so much further ahead in the trust. And I want to buy from you journey than all the other brands that have no affinity. I mean, they might not even have a brand at all. They're just yeah. an option at that point, a commodity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the, the serious advantage comes from is one already feeling like people know who we are 
And two, if we have a relationship with them in some way, whether it's been engaging with them on LinkedIn for the past six months, whether it's you and I doing a podcast a couple of times, like that builds up a pretty big trust factor when it comes to maybe someone reaching out to us. And that's the strategy that we take. Yeah, I think outbound might work if you're like the the low cost carrier to a certain extent, right? Like if you're like, hey, I build a website and it's like 25% of the cost of what, you know, what Sam Moss's agency does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, People maybe that works. There. Yeah, Maybe that works if you're, but like, you know, you don't really have the credibility at that point to be like, not the cheapest, you know, so, you know, whereas if people are coming to you, you kind of have the, I guess you kind of have the upper hand to be like, all right, so this is what we charge. You know, this is the value we provide kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, if it's a fit, great. If not, it's not right. Um, When you're just relying on outbound, that kind of has that smell of desperation to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. right. Where like, you don't really think you have the power on your side. You know, what's interesting. And I don't foresee us doing this in the near future at all maybe even ever, but I would be curious to know if we did an outbound motion now, I would bet you nine times out of 10, someone would respond to the message, pick up the phone, respond to the email because of the communication that we've had in the past. And again, I don't think we're going to do that because that's just not really my passion at all, but I would be curious Mm -hmm. to know if that would actually work because now we're at the other end of the spectrum where we kind of have a name for ourselves in some pockets of marketers. Uh, I don't know, something to think about. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're running, run an offer to your audience. Right. And, and see, see what comes through. Right. Yeah. You know, and figure, but you've, you've taken the time to build up that audience, right. You're just not, you're not buying a list of 5,000 business owners and blasting out an email to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have, you have a network now that you've built up through a couple hundred episodes of this, this podcast and the other stuff that you do on LinkedIn every day. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, if you did some version of outbound kind of around that group, that's kind of just, you now, you know, like you now own that. That's that's a list that you own anyway, right? So mm-hmm. it's a little different. Yeah. Um, to hit your own list versus just buying names and and spamming the spammy know. way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So awesome, man. Any other questions? Or are you good to go? I'm good, man. This was great. This was right. this was helpful. I got a lot out of this. Awesome, man. Well, Jim, thanks a lot for coming to the reunion tour. Um, a yeah. pleasure as always. Uh, to close this out, you want to give us like the 30 second rundown. I mean, we kind of get an idea. You guys are a services business. What what is applied visions? What is what do you have going on? Yeah, so it's been around for for over 30 years. Traditionally, just a, a software development shop, right? And now we've kind of uh, they brought me in as CMO. We've kind of rebranded a little bit to focus more on a couple of main vectors. One is like you know. Uh, companies going through a full digital transformation, right? Typically analog legacy companies, you know, they, they're trying to digitize their business to stay alive. Right. And with that, a lot of times their marketing is also a little bit old school and they, they come to us and they also do marketing stuff to us. Um, the other one that we do, do a lot of work with are like, um, companies that are trying to commercialize after getting government funding mm-hmm. and being you know, initially funded by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a lot of work with companies like that. And those are essentially startups, right? Cause they're trying to find product market fit, find their messaging for, um, for a commercial audience, um, all these sorts of things. And th- those are a lot of fun to work with. So those are the two primary vectors we work with. And we do the software development, the security, the QA. And then we also do, you know, marketing services like fractional CMO work and some, some specific marketing services, but, but not lead gen. <laughs> <laughs> Not good, to, good to hear. Good to hear. Not well, Jim, SEO services. Not SEO. <laughs> hey, that's also uh, what we get mixed up. Hey, do you guys do SEO? I know do websites. 
Nope. Yeah. We don't just web dev, but uh, Jim, thanks so much, man. I appreciate yeah, you doing this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Talk to you later.